Hello, this is Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. This is episode two of 20 Questions with author and philosopher Jeffrey Williams. Hello, this is Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. I hope you're having a great day, and welcome to the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Good afternoon, my name is Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. And on this episode of 20 Questions, I have the pleasure of having Jeffrey Williams with me. Jeffrey, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Dave. <laughs> how, 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 how are things where you are in your part of the world? Actually, um, going just fine, thank you. Uh, spring is on its way. It's, uh, it's turning nice here. Fair enough. And where I am, uh, so just in case you can't hear from my weird accent, I'm in Australia. And from your weird accent, you're in... Uh, you're on the east coast of America, so yes, I'm I'm heading into autumn, and you're heading into spring. And um, exactly, uh, excellent, Jeffrey. Could you kindly introduce yourself? Tell tell everyone more about yourself and any anything that you have online that we should uh, consume of yours. Sure, boy, who I am—that's a long story. Usually <laughs> on on the internet, I tell people I claim no more than to be a, a simple semi-literate biker. <laughs> who lives under a bridge? Yep. Uh, in fact, I do ride motorcycles, and I live near a bridge. But um, you, you ride bikes? Oh yeah, oh. yeah. Currently, I've, I've got a. I think I love you. A, yeah, I've got a CBR six hundred RR with full Yoshi's that oh. I just cream everybody with. Fair enough. I I I, I have a Suzuki six fifty myself. Ah, okay. And they, those things fly. Like once you give it enough gas, those things just fly. Love it. Oh, jeez, yeah. Yeah, and it, you know, it, it, it's 600, 650 is light enough where you can flip through the turns mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. quickly. Yep, and that's yep. what motorcycling is all about. It is indeed. Like where, where I am, uh, 650 is actually the limit uh, for a learner permit. So I, oh. I, got, I got that while I had my learner permit. Then I got my license and I kept the 650 because I, I love it, you know? Yeah. Well, my 600 will do uh, almost 170. Oh, whoa, geez, that's uh, that's <laughs> impressive. I'll give you that. Anyway, uh, tell us. Uh, well, I, I I slow down to about 110 for the turn stuff. I can. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, tell us more about yourself. Uh, your online activities. Uh, any websites or YouTube channels? Well, let's start with um, my well, you know web presence. Mm-hmm. I have a blog. It's called Too Late for the dot com. Mm-hmm. And that's where I do my more serious writing. Although I, I'm on a lot of, I, I'm actually, I, I write for a bunch of different blogs. Um, yeah. There's a theist named uh, John Mark uh, Reynolds who's got a, a site called Eidos. I've written a lot for there. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, I don't have the link for it right here. No, but that's if right you about- go to YouTube yep. and you search too, um, too late for the gods, it, yep. it will come up. 
Too Late for the Gods comes from a, a poem that was written by Martin Heidegger. People think of him as a philosopher, but he wrote a long poem um, in German. It's Aus der Erfahrung des Denkens. It's uh, from the experience of thinking. Yep. And roughly translated, the line that this came from was, we come too late for the gods too early and too early for being who's just begun poem is man. Um, I'm a, I've studied Heidegger intensely. I've been greatly influenced by him. Mm-hmm. Um, my education is in, it's strange. I went to university of Chicago. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a, it's, 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 it's a world-class school, but it's also strange. I did my undergraduate in philosophy. Yep. I did my did my graduate in um, something called the uh, Committee on Social Thought, which is like their premier humanities program. Mm-hmm. And what I studied in, as a graduate student was intellectual history, modern intellectual history, which I, I you know, termed from Renaissance through um, through today, um, from the perspectives of philosophy, physics, economics, and psychology. My major interests are physics, where physics and um, philosophy sort of intersect today. Wow! So that's what I'm about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, I have said, seen, I said, I have seen. Uh, I did go through your YouTube channel before, and there are some interesting contents. Um, it seems that you and I have some uh, have some targets in common i that's good to hear it's good to hear <laughs> um, uh, good old sj and a uh, good old good old billy <laughs> they they they, yeah, they both get a run i i i've been around uh, a bit with both of them um mm-hmm. and sj and i you know it, it, well like i said I've, I've appeared on her channel on a debate with i guard but that didn't go the way they expected, and I was never invited back. No, surprise. Uh, William Lane Craig and I have gone around a few times on really? things. Um, yeah. Um, on my blog, I wrote um, my critique of of um, intelligent design fine-tuning that seemed to have which, upset. Which is, which is a, common, uh, a common thread amongst theists, is the whole intelligent design Right, which which can easily actually be debunked, and I mm. did. Um, it, it got Craig upset, so he tried to rebut it, and um, I rebutted his rebuttal, and he dropped it. I haven't heard from him since on that, oh, but I, I don't have a very high regard for William Lane Craig. No, I'll agree. He, he's well-spoken, and he's very erudite and very thoughtful, but yeah, there's a few things, uh, there's a few things I, could, I personally could pick apart as well. Well, I, I yeah, I, I he, he has a, a rhetorical gift mm. which he uses dishonestly. Okay, well, anyway, I'm sure we'll, we'll do that in the discussion afterwards. So, anyway, uh, Jeffrey, welcome to Twenty Questions. I, I'm going to ask you twenty sets of questions, uh, including a lightning round and maybe with a discussion afterwards. I will give you up to two minutes per question and one extra minute if you're really getting into your answer. I, I will not interfere with or challenge your answers though I may ask supplemental questions to elicit some more information. Uh, please, don't sure. ask the same, please don't ask the same question back because you are the guest. Uh, the, last five, <laughs> the last five questions will be on religion, and I will, I will relax the timer for these questions. Jeffrey, are you ready? Yes. Oh, I'm ready. Okay, all right. Your timer starts after I ask the first question. Question one, where on the political spectrum do you sit 
or which political party do you closest identify with and why? Oh, man, in the United States, that's a difficult question right now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really identify with either party. I had been a Republican. Really? I, uh, I certainly am not now. Uh, I, I lean toward libertarianism or maybe what's called a, a, a classical liberal. Okay. I, I like, uh, you know, free, uh, I, I favor free markets, mm-hmm. um, individual liberty, uh, yep. the primacy of the individual over the commune. That's pretty much how I view it. Okay. So, yeah, very classical conservative. But then why, why wouldn't you then identify with the Democrat side of, of politics? Because they're very much more toward the communal. Um, mm-hmm. they, you know, it's become very progressive. I'm a liberal, not a progressive. Yep. And uh, now, that being said, in the election that we just had, mm-hmm. straight Democrat ticket. Okay. Anything okay. to get rid of the Trumpists. One minute left. Yes. And that was, well, it, it was interesting in that, for, from my perspective here in Australia, uh, Trump inspired so much hate. Yet he did get a oh. rec- yet he did get a record amount of votes. Like like, like Joe, Joe like like well Joe Joe beat him, but you know for 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 a Republican candidate, from my understanding was that you know he certainly got a lot of certainly got a lot of votes, which means more than that, any other, right? And and, and that's very very yes. disturbing. And that, and that, and that, that that's what I meant. I meant I didn't mean he beat Joe. I just meant that you know for a Republican candidate, he's got the most record. Understand. So yeah, um, and then uh, I was going to ask you why would you identify with the Democrats? Is, is there something about um, the, De- the Democrat side that makes you uh, makes you ident- identify with them as opposed to the Rep- to the Republican side? Well, they, they seem not to have an aversion to democracy. That okay. that's a big one for oh, me. Sorry? I'll, I'll give you one more minute. Yeah, sorry. Uh, keep, keep going. Keep going. Yep. Okay. Um, you know, they're the only ones right now who who really are protecting our democracy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, there's a, they all, they also are resisting what we see on the Republican side mm-hmm. as a resurgence of religious nationalism. Uh, that's uh, enough yes. to keep me on, on the Democrat side also. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, do you think Joe is doing a good job? Yes. Okay. Under very difficult circumstances, yes. So far, I mean, he's only been there what forty-five days. But yeah, I know. yeah. So far, uh, 20, 20, 20 seconds left. Twenty seconds left. Okay. Um, yeah, I think he's doing a good job. He's certainly improved the uh, distribution of the vaccines, which is yep. hugely important. And he hasn't lied to us yet. No, that's uh, always important. Five seconds left. Any last words? I think no. That's it. Okay. Oh, there we go. Timer has gone off. Okay, uh, question two. <laughs> Has immigration been good or bad for your country? Hugely good. Okay. That's please, what, please, that please, is, please explain. Sure. I mean, we have from our very beginning been mm-hmm. a nation of immigrants. That is what fuels this country. There, there are some conservatives who I, I consider to be anti-American because they insist there's one set American culture, one set, uh, you know, uh, you, you need to be Christian, you need to, you know, do this and that. And that. That's, mm-hmm. There's no such thing as an American culture. We've had many cultures over our 200 years, mm-hmm. and 
and, and we have separate, you know, different cultures now, but they blend together in this unique, synergetic way. Mm-hmm. I welcome immigrants. They, they are, they, they come with enthusiasm. They build the economy. Mm-hmm. They're exactly what we need. Okay. Um, so, yeah, my, and I'm, talk, I'm talking from somebody who, I mean, my family came over on the Mayflower. Yep. In 1620. So, you know, I wow. mean, but they were immigrants. Wow. Uh, yeah. There's been a lot of immigrants since. But, mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what we're about is immigration. We would we would starve ourselves without okay. uh, 40, 45 seconds left. So so you don't feel that immigration okay. has you don't feel that immigration has torn apart the culture of America then? No, it our culture culture is something that goes through continuous change. And as far as I'm concerned, the the change, the course of change over the last 200 years has been immensely positive. It's been stronger because we get more streams into it. We mm-hmm. get more knowledge. We get a wider perspective. Ten now, rather than tearing us apart, it, it, it's building. It, it's, it's making the cable stronger. That's a, that's a very thoughtful answer. And uh, three seconds left. Two, one, and... Okay, there we go. That's good. Cause that's all I had anyway. No, no. Th- thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, question number three: What were you doing five years ago? I was um, managing people's investments. Oh, so uh, you, I was a wealth manager. Oh, okay. Uh, tell Remember, me. Yes, like I said, I've done many, many things in my life, but you know, in my graduate, um, in my graduate work. I studied mm-hmm. philosophy with very famous philosophers. I studied economics with Milton Friedman. And okay. that's exactly yep. how I made my living for about 30 years. I went into management consulting mm-hmm. um, with global consulting. I ended up running a global strategy practice. And then um, I finally retired out of that, went into business uh, on, you know, on my own, just managing a few wealthy clients. Um, uh, investments, and mm-hmm. I retired from that a little over three years ago. I'm 68 now. I retired at 65. Okay. All right. One minute and before, left. And before that, I uh, was a professional musician, Ooh, which is my real oh, Okay, because in that case, uh, <laughs> that, that may come in handy in one of the later questions. Okay, uh, what were you doing 10 years ago? 10 years ago, I was... Uh, um, running a global management consulting okay. practice. Uh, tw- 20 years ago. Uh, financial strategy. 20 years ago, same thing. Okay. So you've, okay. You're, fa- you're fairly steady. Okay. You've got, you've got 30 seconds more to explain. <laughs> you know, uh, what, what about Yeah. Family? Before like, what, that, look. What changes yeah, in family and location? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, we lived in, you know, we had a house in New York. That's where I raised. We raised our family in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, my office was in New York. I was never there. I uh, I also had a, an apartment in Paris. I spent Jeez, probably seventy five percent of my time in in Europe. I speak several languages, so I you know I just I helped build the practice in Europe really oh. for most of that time. Okay, oh, would, would, would you like an extra minute? Um, I think that's pretty much it. Really, I mean we. We were a New York family, Westchester County, um, and I was rarely there because I was in Europe all the time. Oh, lucky, lucky you. Okay. Uh, question number four. Yeah. Des- describe your ideal job. I think what I do right now. Really? I write. 
Mm-hmm. And then I play my guitar. And then the next day I write. And then I play my guitar. Oh, and my my son is, is here too. He's an aspiring drummer, so sometimes we play together. Very nice. No, I'm 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 glad to hear that. Um me personally is from my perspective, I'm self-employed and um it does get tiring. So Okay. Jeffrey, thank you for that answer. Uh, question five. Describe your most gruesome and or painful injury. And uh, given you you're, you're a motorcyclist, I think uh, you have a you have a few ready for a few ready to tell me. Oh boy, do I. Okay. Yeah, um, time starts now. One time I was going down a, a road. It was two lanes and then to my left, the left turn lane. Mm-hmm. And I was actually heading to my office to uh, meet with a very wealthy client. Yep. And um, I was in the left lane. And to my left was the left turn lane. Right in front of me is a van on the in the right mm-hmm. who, without looking, decided he wanted to make a left turn. Clip yes. my front, clip my front um, tire. Yeah. Down I went. Um, yeah. And, uh, surprisingly, the bike was okay. I had adrenaline pumping so so much mm-hmm. that I didn't realize my shin bone was broken in two places. <gasps> Really? So, I get back on the bike. I go to my office. I get off the bike. I, I realize I can't walk. So I, I hop into my office, wait for my client. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. And um, there I am in the office, and we're going through the meeting. And he had his wife with him, who happened to be a nurse. And you know, it was time oh. to get up. I go, I, I, you know, I go, I'm going to get up now. But you, as you're going to see, my pants are ripped, and I can't walk because I had a motorcycle accident on the way here. And she looks at it. She goes, oh, my God. She goes, this is 45 it's, seconds it's broken. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, so, um, okay, Love so it. anyway, he goes, don't go to the hospital because you'll be there for hours. I There's a doctor I work with who has his own um, x-ray machine. We'll just take you there. So we went there. And, um, yeah, it was it was broken in two places. He, put, I, he was going to put a cast on. I said, no, 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 don't do that. Really? So then I can't ride my bike. Not true. Yeah. So he put this other contraption on, which made it all the way to the parking lot. And I hobbled around on that for about six months. It oh. was quite painful. Wow. But okay. I, I did keep riding. Fair enough. And one second left, and the time's going to go off. And okay. Wow. That's uh, no, I've never come off the bike, but I can tell you, had a, I've had a few close calls. Yeah. It's a. It's only ha- I've only been down twice on the street on the track. I've been down a lot of times, but then if you're not, you're not pushing hard enough. No, exactly. But on the street, on the street, just twice. No, fair enough. I got it. Good stuff. Uh, question number six: Describe your thoughts on the possibility of extraterrestrial life. Well, I think it's likely in some form. I don't think there's. I mean, there's nothing else we know of in the universe mm-hmm. that is. There's just one of it. It's singular. Um, and I can't imagine life would be any different. It would, you know, I mean, I, I, I would imagine that the universe is just teeming with life, okay, you know, so, very different from ours. Well, true. So then what theory do you have as to why we haven't seen it yet? Or do you think we have seen it, but it's been covered up? Oh, well, I, you know, I think there's, a, I don't think we've seen it. I, okay. I would be very surprised. We don't, I mean, we don't know what's what kinds of life even exist. If it's in our mm-hmm. kinds of forms, if it's more immaterial, more just waves. Who knows? There's all kinds of possibilities. There's also, you know, the that limiting factor of the speed of light. 
mm-hmm. which means it would be a very, very long trip. And, you know, unless sure. they live thousands of years, they're probably not going to get here. Okay. Because, you know, you, you do hear the UFO aficionados say, well, you know, these uh, supposedly supposedly higher intelligent beings have created you know near speed light travel contraptions that allow them to get to our planet uh very very right. quickly and rapidly well, but you know I, I don't buy that story but yeah it's like no, i suppose I, like, I suppose like if you do believe there is other life out there then you know how, how do you think we'd see it uh why haven't we seen it in what way would we see it would they come to us or do we have to go to them yeah, well, we're certainly not going to them because we can't travel that fast. I doubt they can break the speed of light. I wouldn't know. Maybe mm-hmm. they have no interest in traveling. I mean, we, you know, we can't imagine what what life, you know, other forms would be on in, in other parts of the universe. And perhaps we will someday. But I'll tell you, there are a lot of astrophysicists who spend decades looking at the skies. When a prominent <laughs> astrophysicist one, one says one he's found yep. something. Yep. Yeah. If, 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 you know, if, if in looking at the sky, an astrophysicist said, yeah, we saw some UFOs, I would take it seriously. But the guys who, for a living, look at the skies have never seen one. Okay. So, so I don't so, think we've been visited. Not fair enough. But so what credence do you then give to um, uh, declassified CIA reports or, you know, Air Force reports saying that, you know, um, a respected military uh, military operator saw something on the radar that moved beyond or or known speeds and capabilities things like that like what would what weight would you give those kind of things i would say well those things have a way of taking place around military you know secret military installations too Mm -hmm. i remember when the sr-71 was being developed we had a wave of ufo sightings Mm because it was impossible and then when the stealth bomber was being tested we again had another wave of sightings of ufos and i i said they're seeing stuff and they're ufos but it doesn't mean they're coming from aliens okay interesting uh question number seven uh tell us a comically bad or tragic holiday experience Oh boy, do you have me stumped? You haven't had a holiday that's gone wrong. You haven't, you know, caught food poisoning wow. or no, I lost your luggage. I haven't. Come on. I mean, we spent up until things got dangerous. We spent our Christmas in um, my wife's family's villa in Acapulco. Mm-hmm. It never was too tragic. Um, okay. No car breakdowns. You know. No. No, um, no, I did. I, yeah, I don't. I am. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I don't have any such story. I should go on holidays with you then, because I've got heaps of bad holiday stories. Hmm. So really? either either you're going to be my good luck, or I'm going to be your bad luck. <laughs> There's only one well, way to find out. Yeah, well, I'm always open to new experiences, but I am so sorry. I just have had no such experiences. Okay, no, I've all been good. I'm happy for you, man. Happy for you. Okay, we'll go to the next question. Uh, lame claim to fame. Name either the most obscure celebrity you've encountered or a celebrity who was a distant relative. Well, none of my relatives are celebrities. Okay, not even distant um, cousins, second cousin, second cousin, once removed. Nah, they're, they're even more obscure than I am. I um, I, I have studied with Nobel Prize winners like Saul Bellow and um, 
uh-huh. Milton Friedman. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I met Gunter Grass when he was alive. He and I didn't hit it off. Okay. Um, but you you mentioned but, before that uh, you you do some stuff with a uh, William Doctor William Lane Craig as well. Well, yes, we've had uh, some some words. Yes, if if you consider him famous, I can you know he's famous like any grifter, I guess. Well, true. Okay. Uh, which 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 then leads me to question nine a. Uh, name a famous person who has commented, liked, or follows you on social media. Oh well, we can name Craig. He's one. Does he does he follow? Um, okay, so yeah, because you've had no, he doesn't follow me. Okay, well, he he seems to know an awful lot about what I say. I'll tell okay, you that. that's a... fair enough. Okay, all right. Well, in that case, uh, with that, we are going to play the lightning round. This is where I'm going to give you either okay. or questions. Um, you know, I'll give you I'll give you two possibilities. You tell me which one you prefer, and your time okay. starts. Time starts now. Tea or coffee. Oh, coffee. Okay. Pizza or lasagna? Oh, lasagna. Apple or Samsung? Uh, oh, Apple. Everything has Apple. Okay. Uh, ebook or actual book? The actual book. Okay. Sneakers or sandals? Oh, sneakers. Okay. Christopher Hitchens or Richard Dawkins? Oh, Hitchens. Okay, William Lane Craig or Frank Turek? <laughs> I have to pick. Yes, you do. Well, I think William Lane Craig is a better target for me, so I'll go with okay. him. Okay, Billy Billy scores on that one. Okay, uh, Taylor Swift or Billie Eilish? Oh, Taylor Swift. Okay, fair enough. Katy Perry or Ariana Grande? Oh, Ariana Grande. Justin Bieber or Michael Bublé? Oh God. How can I pick one of them? I, I go, bu- like- I go Buble myself because yeah, I, I, I like swing and jazz and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm a jazz musician, but I can't stand him. Oh, okay, um, all right, all right. I, I, I'll, I, I'll, I'll go with Bieber just because he doesn't mess up jazz as bad. Wow, that's a that's a that, that's one way to win. Uh, Alice Cooper, <laughs> or Mar- Alice Cooper, or Marilyn Manson. Oh, Alice Cooper. Okay, fair enough. Baseball or basketball. Baseball, although I don't, there's only one sport, and that isn't either of them. So, okay, uh, golf versus tennis. Tennis. McDonald's or Kentucky Fried Chicken. McDonald's. Burger King or Subway. Oh god, I couldn't possibly eat at either one, but I'll go with Subway. Okay, Narnia or Lord of the Rings. Never saw either one. Mm, okay, not not even the books. No, no. I, I mean, you, 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 books, you didn't study with C.S. You didn't study with C.S. Lewis or J.R. Tolkien. I no. I yeah, our time is limited in this life, and there are so many great books to read. Mm-hmm. And I'm still working on those. Fair enough. Okay. No worries. Uh, favorite Avenger. And, uh, what is an Avenger? Oh, I told you before, I know nothing about other than music. I know nothing about popular okay. culture. So if I ask you, if I ask you, if I ask you, Dora and Boots or Diego and Baby Jaguar, I have no clue what you're talking about. Okay, mixed martial arts or professional wrestling? Oh, mixed martial arts. Okay, luxury seven seater, luxury seven seater people mover or sports coupe? Oh, I'm a Porsche guy. Okay. Well, they they make uh, big cars as well. Yeah, those are on Porsches. Don't don't even get me started on that. Okay, not fair enough. And that ends that ends the lightning round. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. 
Okay, uh, question number 10. If one of your favourite bands called you up on stage to play with them, what band would it be? What instrument are you playing? And assuming you had the requisite talent endowed with you suddenly at that time, what song would you be playing? Oh, yeah, I would. Uh, well, I mean, like I said, I was a professional musician. I still mm-hmm. play guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be the Rolling Stones, Can't You Hear Me Knocking, because there's a great guitar solo toward the end of that. Okay, all right. Um, what other bands and what other songs would you be, uh, yeah, would be your dream? The other uh, one? Yeah. You've, you've got a minute and a half left, so make the most of it. Oh, I can, I can think of a bunch of jazz groups I would want to Go play. for it. Name them. You've got time. Except they're all dead. Oh, um, okay. I would love to have played with Miles Davis, mm-hmm. uh, with John Coltrane. Oh, yes, yes. I've got his, uh, got his album. Oh, he's, he, John Coltrane is like, as great as music gets. Um, I mean, I play to their records all the time. Um, pretty much, oh, Pharaoh Sanders. I love Pharaoh Sanders. Mm-hmm. And he actually has a guitar, so I would love to play, play Ooh, with okay. him. Fair enough. Okay. Thank you very much for answering that. Okay. Question number 11. What conspiracy theory or theories do you think are either true or have enough elements of truth to warrant questioning the official narrative? Uh, although I am very skeptical of all conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. um, I lived in New York at the time when that TWA plane took off from, um, from Kennedy and exploded over the bay. Okay. Yeah, you and may have to refresh my memory on that one. What okay, time frame? What, what, what time frame? You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, this was this was the nineties. This was in the nineties. Mm-hmm. There was a TWA seven forty seven. It was it took off out of uh, out of Kennedy mm-hmm. for an overseas flight, and it got over the bay and blew up. It just really? blew up. Um, there was a lot of funny business about you know. What happened? They eventually said it was because one of the fuel cells was um, dry and a spark set it off and blew up the plane. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. however, I mean, I know people who saw this happen and there were a, a bunch of also uh, very credible people like a captain of a, uh, of a, of a Coast Guard plane, I mean, a Coast Guard a ship. Nice. There were 45 police seconds. officers. Okay. Who saw a missile hit the, hit the plane? Really? Now, maybe maybe they all hallucinated something at the same time. I don't know. But they all saw, they, they swear, and these are serious people. Mm-hmm. They swear they saw a missile fly up and hit that plane. And that's been a conspiracy theory ever since. And it's the only one I give any Crazy. possible credibility to just because of the people who saw it. Okay. So, so TAA, uh, what, 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 was it, what was it again, the, the flight? It was, yeah, it was a TWA flight on a seven forty seven okay. heading to Europe. I don't know the the, the flight okay. number. No, 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 fair enough. That's something for something for me to read. Okay, well, thank you, yeah. thank you very much for that. Uh, question number twelve: If you had the ear of your president or prime minister or political leader, what single, mm-hmm. what single one and only one rule, policy, or law would you get them to change on the spot? Uh, make. Uh, do away with the death penalty. No capital punishment. Okay. And why? Why is that? Like, tell, tell me your tell me your thoughts on that. Because it's first of all, it, it's it's barbaric. Mm-hmm. Um, second, I mean, only 
we're, we're supposed to be a free people. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, it, why would we concede to the government the right to kill its own citizens? And, 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 and lastly, it, I mean, in, in the air, going along with it being barbaric in a civilized, just society, yeah, we try to, to, we mete out justice commensurate with the crime, but in, in, in years in incarceration, for example, we don't bugger rapists. We don't brutalize um, people who, who are abuse children. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and we ought not be killing killers. We may not let them out of prison ever, but that's how we meet out justice: is in years in prison, incarceration, mm-hmm. removal from society. Yeah, forty-five you know, seconds. It, it just okay. I mean, it just, it's illogical, it's barbaric, it's pure emotion rather than reason. Okay. You know, it, it's just, it's just blood vengeance and that's all it is. I and mean, it's, it's, it's got no place in a free society. Okay. Do you think, do you think being devil's advocate here, are there any benefits to the death, to the death penalty? Well, I don't believe so. I mean, every study I've seen says it's not really a deterrent. Okay. I, I think there's, there, there's no benefit to it. Okay. So the death penalty is gone for, okay. That's a very interesting answer. Okay, let's go to question 13. What stereotypes of your culture are sadly true? Lack of linguistic ability, lack of curiosity about the world outside the United States. Okay, all right. And I suppose that's because you are you seem like a very well-studied person. So for you that would uh be that would come home true very very strongly for you, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's to me. It's just laziness. Um, okay, but 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 but, but don't you but, but don't you find it interesting that America is the home of the Ivy League, uh, the Ivy League University, and yet you're saying that one of the saddest cultural cultural stereotypes is the lack of linguist, linguistic ability. Yeah, it's because Yale um, accounts for what maybe a, a thousandth of a percent of the <laughs> United States. I mean. Uh, no, no, I, I get yeah. that, but you know, but America is the home of you know so many so many it, great it educational is. institutions, and almost no Americans, I mean, almost none, have any connection to Yale, and it, not. But what's even worse is among a lot of people, there's nothing but resentment. Really? Um, oh, sure. You know those oh, elites. T- t- you, tell me more. Yeah, you know, that elites is almost a dirty word here. I mean, I went to University of Chicago, which is in the same forty-five seconds. Yeah, I mean, I you know, so I, I saw this personally. University of Chicago is kind of you know it, it's it's the same as Yale or Harvard. Mm-hmm. It's in that category, yep. and you know people really resent it. You know, but you know those are those are exceptions. It, they do not characterize the average American. Okay, because in Australia we have a thing called tall poppy syndrome, and that is if you are like esteemed above or you're more successful, then you're more like you're more likely to be criticized. Is that something that oh, yeah. has that has an analog in American culture? Oh, very much so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there, there's there's resentment against successful people. You know, if you're rich, you must have committed crimes to do so. Okay. If you're educated, you're you're just the phony elite. You know. It, yeah. Uh, sure. No, fair enough. Okay. Thank you very much for your answer. Okay. Uh, question fourteen. This is a, uh, an ethical dilemma. Question this is a little bit long, so hang with me. You you are a doctor. A patient in your care is about to receive a blood transfusion, and just before they get the transfusion, they tell you that they are part of the terrorist group whose bombings have caused widespread destruction in your city. 
one of your siblings was killed in the terrorist attacks. Because you are the only doctor available, you can't offload the job. But if you don't do your job, they die and you risk being fired, blacklisted and sued. However, if you tell the, if you tell the police that your patient is a terrorist, you violate doctor-patient confidentiality, which is another black mark. And it's also possible that this person was lying when they said they were part of a terrorist group. What do you do? Oh, I'd give the person the blood. Just for the same reason I oppose the death penalty. Mm-hmm. My job is to give the person the blood. After they've recovered and they told me they were a terrorist, I certainly wouldn't you know, inform the police. Okay, um, which, which, then, which then violates your, uh, your doctor-patient uh, confidentiality. Oh, see, in the United States, that would... You know, it, it, you, it, it, that doesn't apply if you're talking about, you know, violating a, you know, a, a serious crime. I, the, the, you're required to report that. Okay. And the other, the other extenuating factor is that one of your siblings was killed in the terrorist attacks. Yes. So you, you, so you, I, ha, you have some emotional, uh, emotional I have an, baggage. I, I certainly would. Um, and, but, you know, for the, like I said, for the same reason that I oppose capital punishment, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, reason has to prevail over blood revenge. That's a, that's a very well thought out answer. I like that. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, next question then. Let me hit reset on the timer. Which futuristic movie scenario is the most likely to come true and why? Oh, jeez. I told you I'm not good with popular culture. Um, I don't know, but like, so think of a, think of a think of a futuristic movie, like maybe like 1984 or Blade Runner or. Well, I've never seen Blade Runner. I've oh, read okay. 1984. Okay, yeah. Um, and I, I would say, I mean, we're in danger of 1984 right now. I don't know if it's that much in the future. Uh, at least, you know, the United States is a strange place right now, and I don't know if people outside of it fully appreciate. No. You know, for example, Newspeak. Newspeak. I mean, when Republicans or their lackeys in uh, in the conservative media talk, it is Newspeak. They they say exactly the opposite of what the truth is. They repeat it enough times, and people start to believe it. There's an authoritarianism that is is threatening. That permeates. Okay. Yeah. Like, like I am. I am obviously outside the American media bubble, so I would like you to explain a little bit more where your perspective, where you come from, and you know. Like convince an outsider of your perspective in one minute. Well, uh, for example, there is the big lie about the election. You know, there is no credible person in, in, in you know, or, or court that has looked at it that doubts that ba- that Biden won the election and won it pretty fairly, pretty substantially. Okay. Um, but Trump, the Republicans, and things like Fox News continue to to pound this lie that the election was stolen even even now even though it's done and dusted and inaugurated to this and... very day yet really day wow. yes in fact um trump was giving a speech on sunday to cpap which is this big yep. conservative yep. group and Love he him. went the, the whole last third of his speech was going on about how the election was stolen from them and he had the crowd all wound up. Oh, I'm out. But yeah, that that's an example. Okay, but is that more just playing to the CPAC crowd, or is there still an undercurrent, like I suppose you know a, a substantial minority of people who honestly and genuinely believe, independent uh, of the Trump? Per, the percentage is somewhere around thirty-seven percent of Americans. Holy guacamole! That's, that's the trouble we're in. 
That is so yeah, nineteen eighty four is not that far away. Okay, that's uh, interesting. Okay, thank you very much for that, Jeffrey. Okay, question sixteen. Within a five mile radius of your residence, how many places of worship are there? Of what religion? And describe them. Oh, I I couldn't tell you the exact number, but I don't that's live. That's all right. I live in a very wealthy, very well-educated suburb, uh-huh. and so we're it's it's not like the Bible Belt. There okay. are maybe in a five-mile radius, maybe five five houses of worship. Okay. One of them would one of them would be a Jewish synagogue. Mm-hmm. There's a um, a Quaker's Friends Church. There's a uh, Methodist. So, 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 sorry, sorry, Jeffrey. Are there still Quakers going around? I'm sorry, say that again. Are, are, are there still Quakers going around? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. In fact, okay. we have Quakers Friends Church, not you know, not even a mile from here. Interesting. Um, so you're saying there's a Methodist church as well? Oh, yeah, we have Methodists. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have any mosques? Have, or, any, or any temples? You know, there, well, I, there is a Jewish synagogue, yes. I, yeah. I mentioned that. That's okay. Any, any not, Islamic? I'm not aware of any. I mean, there might okay. be one somewhere. I'm not aware of anything. Okay, so this this isn't typical for America. You go down to you know the South, the Memphis, and and there, yeah, there are every street corner, and I think literally as well. Oh, I mean it literally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that. Okay, the next question. Now, this is where I'll start to relax the timer a little bit, and I'll let you explain your answers. And again, I'll ask some supplementary questions. Why do you hold the religious position that you currently do? Well, it was uh, a while in coming. I, I was once a Christian. Okay. Uh, I was a very much believing Christian. What denomination? Uh, Lutheran. What? Oh, gee, okay, that's, uh, that's a rarity in, in America. Lutheran? No, there's plenty of them because there's... Oh, um, really? There were a lot of, of Germans and Norwegians and Swedes in America, oh. and they brought Lutheranism with them. Okay, in, 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 in my part, in my part of the world, they're not they're not really that that big. They're they're they're, they're there, but they're not you know they're not a sizable uh, right. Because you're you know, you're part of the world, from what I understand, is mostly Anglo-Saxon. Correct. Now yes. the odd thing is, I'm Ang- I mean I'm English as far as you can go. I'm English. Mm-hmm. How I how my family ended up Lutheran, I couldn't tell you. Okay, but um, but that's what we were, and I was a believer. And then when I was twelve, seventeen, or eighteen. I finally got around to reading the Bible, and I said, "This is this, you know, I this is seeming kind of kind of funny." Okay, so so, 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 looked, so you didn't read the Bible with God glasses on then? No, I, I read it and said, you know, by by the time I got to the end of it, it's like uh, I'm, I don't know about this. So I started I I studied um, history of religions, especially um, near ancient Near Eastern religions, and I saw how the Bible really was just a later development of much earlier um, uh, religions and cultures, uh, mostly Babylonian and Sumerian. And I saw this is a story, and it's this is just the Jewish retelling. In fact, it's, it's got the same gods in it. You got El and Yahweh, and then they confuse El and Yahweh into the mm-hmm. same guy. And you know, Marduk and Moloch are rolling around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then and then there's Asherah showing up, and you know, I was like, "Whoa, this stuff isn't true." And okay. that's how I, that's how I came about that. Okay, fair enough. Okay, uh, next question: 
What one religion, denomination, or religious doctrine makes you angry? Oh, the born again Baptists. The ones they 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 fuel the religious nationalism in this country. They keep pounding the lie that we are a Christian country. Built our culture is founded on Christianity. None Mm. of that is true. In fact, quite the opposite is true. I mean, our founders, a lot of them weren't Christian at all. Thomas Jefferson certainly wasn't a Christian. He wrote the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. he knew a little bit about about the founding of this country. He hated Christianity. Um, it's just, but they're the ones who push, and they would love to set up a Christian caliphate. They're serious about that, and that's part a big part of what drives Trumpism. Well, it's interesting that you say that because uh, who who was it? The League of the South. Like I, I was researching for uh, for my for my book that I wrote. And mm-hmm. I was I was researching, um, you know, like Christian groups who want to reintroduce, reintroduce the death penalty, and a couple of names came up. Um, also, sorry, sorry, reintroduce the death penalty for violation of Old Testament commands, and the League uh-huh. of the, the and the League of the South came up. Um, Representative Matt Shea, I don't know if he's still he's still relevant in anything. Um, I've heard Kent Hovind uh, once or twice, you know, say that homosexuals should be stoned in in, in like modern day America. And who yeah. was uh, Matt Powell, uh, who you may or may not have heard of? Um, there was an interview he did with uh, Skylar Fiction, in which he reiterates that you know, um, yes, homosexuality is a sin, and it should be uh, punished with a uh, stoning. But anyway, okay, keep going. They're yeah. serious about this, and, and they're a danger to us. They really are, and they're growing. I mean, it's, it's, what's funny is Christianity in this country is in a, a steep decline. Um, you know, in, in fact, the millennials are the biggest percentage of non-believers we've ever had in this country. So the the the, the number of Christians is in steep decline, but the ones that are left are insane. I tend to agree. After being on Twitter for a while, I tend to agree with you on that one. Yeah. So is that um, limited to like the Southern Baptists, or is there, you know, some? Like, like, what denominations would you most affiliate with this? Well, uh, modern- any of them that consider themselves evangelicals or born again, which is really Baptists. Okay, or Baptists, or like independent fundamental Baptists, or yeah, like yes, stuff, stuff yeah. like that. Because there's, a, there's a, a, all kinds of Baptists, but yeah, pretty much that whole bunch. No, fair enough. Okay, uh, question nineteen: If there's one thing you could say to a person who doesn't share your religious belief. They had the magical ability to cut past barriers and convert them on the spot. What would it be, and why should it convert them? I'd look back at the history, like I did, and say, mm-hmm. "How can you believe that this Bible was inspired by God when it's a reworking of much earlier Sumerian and Babylonian and even Canaanite religions?" I mean, okay. look at this. This is what all funnels into the Bible. And then that all changes as you go through the Old Testament. It, and then when you get to, um, you know, the, the, the diaspora and, and the Jews um, in Babylon, once again, mm-hmm. and, and Cyrus uh, infuses Zoroastrianism. Into the yep. and, and now suddenly you've got, you know, the devil and God, you've got that duality, you've yep. got a hell. It, it all changes depending on you know where the culture is at the moment. Okay, so so if a, so if a fundamentalist said no, that's progressive revelation. What would be your counter <laughs> to that? I would say 
that it first of all, if it is progressive revelation, then there's contradict there there is no moral law because um the law in Leviticus and Deuteronomy is quite clear. This is the law. This mm-hmm. is the way this is what good is. And then later on to contradict it, well, then it wasn't good to begin with. You can't have moral law. What what we're really looking at is a refinement over time of, of, of civilization. Okay, because there are some apologists that I've come across who even say that there are no contradictions in the Bible. And yeah, well, that's it, well, but then you, you get to like the very far like presuppositional uh, apologetics, who then say because God is the basis of logic and reason, you can't use God's logic against God. What would you say <laughs> to that? What would you say to that? Well, I'd say it's counterintuitive because God, you know, the Bible God contradicts himself in the Bible. The yeah, but whole, but, the, but the point is, is that under- under- sorry, you, sorry, you first, yeah. I mean, the, the underlying principle of logic is non-contradiction. A cannot, you know, not equal A. It, <laughs> it's, it's the principle of non-contradiction. If he contradicts himself, he denies logic. You can't say, you, can, you might be able to say, well, God is irrational, mm-hmm. and we can't understand that because of his irrationality. Yep. But you cannot say he's he, he he's the embodiment of reason. He's not. Okay. Because, least, you know, you know as, as as depicted in 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 the Bible. I mean, we're talking about a fictional character. It hmm. seems kind of silly to be even going on about this. But the character of God in the Bible, first of all, is a mixture of a couple different gods, at least. Yeah. And second, is filled with contradictions. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your answer. And this will, this will be the last question of 20 questions. No matter how strongly you hold to them, what will be the one thing that would change your religious beliefs? Um, I suppose a personal visit by whatever a God might actually be. I mean, the whole okay. concept of a, of, of a God is, there isn't a concept of one, unless you anthropomorphize them. But if there were a God, it wouldn't be anything that we've ever considered. And okay. maybe it's just, I, who knows what it would be. Um, and, and, and if that, whatever that being is, were to uh, pay me a visit, and okay. I was sure I hadn't completely lost my mind, mm-hmm. um, that might convince me. Okay. So you are, so you, you, there is a way for you to be convinced. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. That's true. Uh, it's, it's, I put the likelihood of that as very near zero. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, a, that's an interesting answer. Well, that does end 20 questions. So, Jeffrey, thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you. This was fun, Damien. <laughs> no worries. Um, tell, tell me more about what you've got um, about you know your, your YouTube channel and your blog. I'll, I'll, well, give, you a few, I'll give you a few minutes to, to spruik that. So tell me okay. what you've got. The YouTube channel, there are two very different things. Mm-hmm. The YouTube channel, it doesn't go into the same depth as the writing. And most, for the most part, it's reactions to other videos I've seen on YouTube. Yeah, because I saw the one um, you did uh, countering uh, S.J. Thomason before. Which one? There were two of those. Oh, okay. It was um, the one where she was trying to, um, she had a PowerPoint slide about objective morality. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, they're all very much in that vein. Mm. 
Although my favorite target is uh, our friend Bill Bill Craig. Alfred and uh, Bill, yes. Yeah, I, I do a lot on him. I think the best of those was he did an, an argument from God for mathematics, and he told, oh, d- d- he he just totally distorted Eugene Vigner, who is uh, an intellectual hero of mine. So I yeah, okay, that was yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, I, I'm I am actually about halfway through writing a response to that because I, I came across a couple of YouTube videos uh, countering. Uh, Dr. Craig's um, uh, statement, and I, I've actually I actually have a degree in mathematics myself, and okay. I I saw Dr. Craig. Well, I read his article, and I I facepalmed so hard, um, it, 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 I gave myself a bruise. Um, yeah, it was, and but this is the whole thing: is that we like far from mathematics being a corporeal entity, the fact is that we made mathematics to describe the world around us. And so it's a little bit like he's piggybacking on. Well, hold on. Mathematics works. Therefore, mathematics must be from God. Well, no, no. Hold on, Dr. Craig. Yeah, mathematics works because we, you know, it's a bit like saying that, oh, this car works. Therefore, it's because of, of a higher, because of, 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 of a God. Well, no, no. We made a car so that it could do the things that we need it to do. Kind of exactly. Thing. Yeah. It, it, Wigner's essay, you know, the one that he um, mm-hmm. presented in New York uh, that that it, it's one of the most brilliant papers I have ever read in my life. Um, and, he, you know, he first of all, he talks about mathematics as beginning. It's an aesthetic. And it is. I mean, it, it's it, it's kind of, you know, Kant goes into it a bit. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's an it's a priori. It's aesthetic. It's drawing out logic within your sensibilities of time mm-hmm. and space. That's yep. what it is. It's an aesthetic exercise that found some practical utility early on, especially when we needed to keep track of, like, you know, when we went to an agrarian society, we needed to keep track of of, of the grain and stuff like that. Counting and works. So, and we found there was an approximation between number and what Wigner calls events in the outside world. Mm-hmm. It, but it's an approximation. It's an approximation. It's not like there's this miraculous <laughs> yep. coherence between what's in our brain and what's outside in reality. There's not. It, and then, then Wigner then expounds on his um, epistemological law of um, empiricism, mm-hmm. which, which is really interesting because it says there, it's impossible mathematically to describe the universe. It doesn't work that way. You can have all kinds of competing rational systems with different assumptions it takes us from Poincaré but it, it, it's an important point mm-hmm. you know and, and and describe the same thing but what but more importantly to dis, to keep you know to have a rational system of understanding you have to limit time space and chosen events because if you break out of that your rational system breaks, right, yeah. and that's so. why you can you can never reconcile quantum mechanics with relativity, or in, in either of those with Newtonian physics, because they're out they're different time space chosen event um, systems, and that's just the way the universe is. There isn't any magic correspondence between our mathematics and the universe. It just doesn't exist. And Craig. Turn that down around completely. Oh, yep, and, and then to say it's his God that did the intelligent, you know, the intelligent formulation. Yeah. We'll say 
you know, there's no there's no consideration it was Zeus who did it or Thor or this other. Oh, oh no, 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 of course not. It is my God. And, uh, you know, no, no other argument will be entered into. Thank, thank you very much. So, I, yeah, so I have a video on that. I, I, I think I've written more of it, though, in, in the blog. The blog's entirely different. I, I do. Some of it is on atheism. A lot of it is just philosophy, which is my go to my real, you know, passion. Um, especially today's questions. Yeah, physics has taken us to the edge of what we can humanly understand. Now we've got, you know, like Schrodinger's equation, which can accurately predict things, but it implies a world we can't even conceive of. Mm. Um, and so it raises a lot of really interesting philosophical questions. And that's sort of where I spend my, a lot of my time. Now, Ferris, well, look, Jeffrey, I'm going to wrap this up. Jeffrey, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, I like being here. Thank you. No worries. So before I go, we can find your YouTube channel and your blog at. Okay, the, uh, the blog again is uh, www.tolateforthegods.com. And on YouTube, we can search you at. You're going to have to search for Too Late for the Gods. Okay, excellent. I appreciate your time, and I'm sure I'll see you on Twitter later on tonight or tomorrow morning sometime. Great. See you then. Thanks. Have a great night. If you want more thought-provoking content, head over to the blog at www.tallfriendlyatheistdad.com. That's www.tallfriendlyatheistdad.com. Check me out on Twitter at TFADad, or head over to Google Books or the iTunes Store and pick up your e-copy of The Best Religion for the Task at Hand, a response to creationism and why humanism is morally superior to the Bible. You'll love it. Thank you for listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Have a great day. Have a great week. See you next time.